I'm good. All right. Good morning, everybody. Hey, if you guys care about hearing, the closer you get, the less I'll have to yell. We got technical problems this morning, uh, but we ain't going to let that stop us from getting in the Word. So if you want to come up, I'll do my best to yell, but uh, if you want to come closer, that'd be great as well. So thank you, everybody, for being here this morning. Thank you for Flint Hill Baptist Church being with us. Uh, so uh, so excited to have them with us each time they come. And so thank you guys for being here. Such a loving heart and smile. We appreciate that uh, very much. So I missed you guys over the last couple of weeks. I don't know that you've missed me any, but I've been on vacation. Happy it birthday, was nice. Thank you. Happy birthday. And yes, I was 45, not 65, like Brantley reported his week that he filled in. Not quite there yet. Nothing wrong with that. But I got a few years before I get to there, hopefully. Uh, but thank you for all the texts, the messages, calls, all those things. Uh, and man, I just want to say this. Wonderful job by Brantley. Uh, if you were here two weeks ago, the irony of teaching about anxiousness while you were anxious is amazing. But he did a great job with it. He told me he was anxious about teaching, wanted to know the next passage that was coming up in Matthew. The irony, it's on do not be anxious. So it was fit for him. He did a wonderful job teaching. I want to remind you of this verse that he closed with because it goes into today. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. For all the new folks here today, greatest message ever preached by the greatest preacher who's ever preached. Jesus himself preaching on a hillside. And we said from the beginning, we wanted to act as if we were sitting on the hillside listening to those words from our Savior for the first time. So if you can kind of get in that mindset with us. A lot of words that Jesus would say, a lot of statements of you've heard it said, but I tell you. Six times, in fact, he says that, but if you read deeper, not necessarily those words, but that premise is there. The old way of doing things, you've heard it said, the law and this eye for an eye, two for two, all these things. But then Jesus would get to a point and he'd say, but I tell you, and it really addressed the heart of the matter, right? Why we do what we do. That's a lot of what the Sermon on the Mount is. Brantley ended with a beautiful verse his week that he taught. And he read it, uh, for, I think the ESV originally. But then he finished with the message. And I love what it said about anxiousness and worry. Anybody ever been anxious out here or worried? Probably today, right? It kind of demands it, our life sometimes, unfortunately. And we have to recenter and refocus. And here's the passage that he ended with. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen. I want to stop right there. How many times have you worried about something that never even came true? You just spent wake, you know, sleepless nights just laying there awake, worrying and worrying. And then it comes to pass and you're like, ah, it wasn't even that bad, right? Or it didn't happen. And it says, what may or may not happen tomorrow, God will help you deal with whatever hard things when the time comes. It's beautiful, right? And so I want to take you there. Jesus is, he's just talked about being anxious. And then we had our, our friend John Littleford that taught last week. He kind of did a one-off that was beautiful. The lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son, all those things that were lost or found and the rejoicing that goes on in heaven when just one of these things were found, right? And so he talked about that with us. But I want to take it back. We're brilliantly finished off. Beautiful, beautiful job talking about the anxiousness. And then we go right from that to where Jesus goes today. And so I'll read that, uh, Matthew chapter 7, read the first six verses. Judge not that you, 
be not judged. For you will be judged, and with the measure you used, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for these words that were spoken so long ago, yet still relevant today. And I pray that we can take the mindset wherever we're at. If we've yet to start a relationship with you or if we've been having a relationship for 60 years now, we pray that we sit on that hillside, we hear the words of the Savior, and that you speak to our hearts to draw us closer to you, closer to each other in the process. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so remember, many times I've said, Matthew is evangelistic, right? That's what Matthew is writing this story down for. He's writing to primarily a Jewish audience, knowing that it would be passed on to others, but letting them know, hey, this Jesus that you crucified, not just missed the boat on, but crucified, hung on a cross, placed in a borrowed tomb, raised from the dead, was this Messiah that these Jewish people had been waiting on forever. I mean, stories and generations of going back to the Exodus of how God delivered, parted the Red Sea, and there's one coming. There will be the Messiah. He will come down and rescue us. We've been waiting on. Not only did they miss the boat, they missed the boat to the fact that they hung him on a cross, placed him in a tomb, and he raised from the dead. Now, I'd say that's, that's kind of one of those, like, not just missing the mark, but missing the entire picture, right? That they went that route. In fact, even to the point that they had a murderous Barabbas out there and they had a choice. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I got it. Got it. You cannot do that unless you're 45, right? That's 45 quickness right there. You like that, didn't you, Bradley? All right. But not only did they miss the boat, but they had this murderous Barabbas out and they chose a murderer over Jesus, the son of God. Now, here's what I want to say. Well, let's let's give the Hebrew people a little grace here, because how many times have you chosen someone else over Jesus? Your own way? Someone else's temptation that they brought a plan of the enemy? And you've accepted that over Jesus. How many have done that? All right. So we're in the same boat. Good news is there was grace for the Jewish people. There's grace for you and I. When we miss that mark, there is this grace, this unmerited favor that Jesus gives us, right? Nothing we can earn. It is freely given. And that really messes us up in this society because every other thing we do, we have to work for and climb and, you know, play the game. But that's not the economy of God. It is freely given. There's nothing you can do, nothing you should do, nothing you have to do except believe. And that's so easy. It just seems like there's got to be more. I got to add to it and I got to, do something else, right? And that's what the Sermon on the Mount is about. It's the heart of the matter. It's not about doing. It's about being. About being in relationship with God. Not that you have to earn it. Not that you have to do more. That's religion. We're talking about relationship. Right? The, the doing part says, I gotta, I, there's got to be more. i got to do more so that He'll be happier with me or He'll love me more. I want to ask you a practical question this morning. 
How can someone love you any more than laying down their life for you? Can't do it. In fact, the Word tells us that no greater love than a man that lays down his life for his friend. That's what he did. And so the beautiful part about you know, religion is this doing more relationship is it's done. We take him at his word that it is finished. And if you believe in him, that's that's enough, right? That there's enough grace for that. It is finished. So Jesus starts out today and he says this, judge not that you not be judged. How many of you heard that? Well, you shouldn't judge people. You shouldn't judge people, right? And I want to say that that's true, right? That he is the holy judge, right? We will all be judged. And I pray that when you stand before Him in that judgment, that you stand covered in the blood of Christ and not on your own accord. Because if it's without Christ, right? Everybody, just look this way. There's a, let's pray for these folks. God bless. Let's pray for those folks. Alright, you don't get that at indoor church. Alright, but here's the deal. So we, we get to this place and we say uh, with this idea of Jesus and this idea of having to do more, having to earn. And then we get to this place where he says judge not. And I want you to think about this. Everybody is going to stand before a holy God. You're either going to stand on your own accord or you're going to stand with the blood of Christ covering you. You could be the nicest, sweetest person in the world. Help every little old lady across the street, never say a swear word, never drink a beer, never smoke a joint, never do whatever you want to point as this negative thing. Without Christ, it's going to land in separation for Him forever. But even if you do all those things and the blood of Jesus covers you, I don't get the economy of God, but I understand this from Scripture that when you stand before Him, it doesn't matter what you've done, what you're doing, or what you will do, the blood of Christ covers you and He's going to say, you're righteous, just like my son. It's the great exchange. It's this moment where we get to lay down our sin and pick up the righteousness of God. Can I tell you why? Nothing you did. Couldn't earn it. Couldn't. Couldn't dance your way into it. Couldn't pray your way into it. You could be baptized a million times. It doesn't matter. The reason why is because Jesus for a moment lays down His righteousness and picked up your sin. The great exchange. Listen, I'm all about a deal, right? Everybody likes a deal. If you had a coupon that said, man, you get to go in this store for 75% off, you get to shop or whatever. That's a good exchange. The great exchange is this. I get to lay down my sin and not just lay it down and walk away from it, but pick up the righteousness of God that I could be viewed in the lens of Christ. And when God looks at me, that's what He sees. He sees past my bad deeds, my misspoken words, my things that I should have said that I didn't, my things that I did say I shouldn't have. And He looks at me and says, I see Christ there. And it's because it's grace. It's not because of anything I've done. It's the grace. And so entering into that relationship, we understand He's the judge, so I don't have to judge, right? I'm not capable of judging. I'm flawed. 
my human judgment's not going to be right anyway. By the, by the way, I want to I speak directly to something that you, you might feel out here sometime. Somebody might see somebody in a bad way out here and you just go to the ultimate judge, sit in your high seat and say, I would never do that. You don't know that person's story. You don't know what you'd do or what you wouldn't do. I know some of the stories out here. And let me tell you, if it happened to me, I'd have been in the same place or worse. You're doing a good job. You're managing that. You're walking through it. And so without knowing somebody's story, it's impossible to judge anyway. And then we get to the fact that we're not a good judge because we're flawed people. The only thing good in me is Jesus. If you ever have gotten anything good from me, it's not from Keith. It's from the relationship I have with Christ. But I want to start here and say this. I do think there is a difference between judging somebody and holding somebody accountable. All right? You see, that's where we get it mixed up. We look at a situation, we see somebody, maybe it's a brother or sister and they're sinning, they're in this relationship, they're in something that's not good for them. And we just take the road back and we say, well, the Bible says I shouldn't judge. It's different than holding somebody accountable. And that's what he's getting into when he talks about this whole speck and log thing. He's, he's really going to get into this process. But secondly here, I want to I say this, the difference not only in judging and accountability, but for my Christian religious friends out here, those that are maybe doing over being. You know what I'm talking about? Like you have a relationship with God, but you just... You're checking off the boxes continually because you feel like that's what you got to do. And you're not walking with Him because if we walk with Him and listen to His Spirit, He's going to tell us what we need to do. There's no list we got to make, right? He's going to encourage us. He's going to walk with us. He's going to tell us what to do. But to my religious doing over being folks, the judging non-Christians, can I ask you a question this morning? How do you want a lost person to act? They're lost. How are they going to act any different? You know why I know? You got the Spirit of God living in you and look how you act sometimes. Right? I'm talking from experience here. I got the Spirit of God in me and I know how I act sometimes. So how are you going to look at a lost person that's living in the flesh and say, I can't believe they're doing that. What do you want them to do? They're lost. How about this? How about a new approach of taking your life in such a direction that you live authentically, not trying to be perfect because you're not, admit when you've messed up, walk with God, ask forgiveness to people and to Him when you need to, and live in such a way that they say, something's different about that, I want that. How about that instead of judging, say, I can't believe they put a beer to their lips. I can't believe they would do this. I can't believe they would do that. I can't believe... Just stop. You're not the judge. You're not the jury. I mean, this is something that, that is so just prevalent in the church. I mean, I've seen it. I've, I've been in a, a building before and somebody walk in that doesn't have the right clothes or, or maybe doesn't look the same or, or maybe they're a little hungover from the night before and they're shunned. Are you kidding me? And you're going to expect somebody to find Christ in that? How about give them the best seat in the place? How about put your arm around them? How about tell them that they're loved, that they're welcome, that they're wanted, and that there's a better way? How about find out why they're self-medicating? People got problems. People got problems in life and they're looking for any kind of way 
We watched it last night. Jesus Revolution. If you ain't seen it, my goodness. True story. Beautiful. But they said in that, in the hippie movement, that people are having drugs, doing all these things, that it was really a search for God. They're searching. They're hoping for something more. They're escaping life. Because life sucks sometimes. It's hard. And so why don't we give them the answer? We got it, right? If you got the hope of Jesus, it's not to judge them. It's not to shame them. It's just to tell them there's a better way. Hold them accountable. But don't judge them. A lost person will always, always act lost. How about we act saved? I hate that term, by the way. But they're lost. They're going to act lost. I pray that we live in such a way where it makes a difference in that life. Verse 2, if you judge, expect the same measure. How's that feel for you? Think about the ways that you've judged people in your life. It says, that same measure of judgment, how would you like that put on you? I can't believe they would do that. There's Philip right there. I can't believe he would do that. Wayne, I can't believe you'd sit on that bike like that. You're doing all right. But, I mean, if you're going to judge somebody that way, it says, I'm going to judge you back that way. Do you want that? Kind of go back to the Sermon on the Mount where he says, in the Lord's Prayer about forgive us as we've forgiven others. And we all said, I don't really want that. I don't forgive others very well most of the time. And so it's this call to forgive people better than what we do. Forgive and the, and the love and the walk in that relationship with Christ. But he says, if you judge, expect that same measure. And by the way, we all fall short. There's not a person here, I don't care if you've been a believer for 70 years, you fall short on your own of the glory of God. It takes a relationship with Christ. So verses 3-5, through five, I believe this speaks on accountability, believer to believer. So brother or sister, I want to read this again. Verse 3-5. through five. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I think this is one of those things, man, where accountability comes into play. If we're a brother or sister with somebody and we see them involved in behavior that's not good for them, and there's a better way. I think it is totally appropriate and not judging to go to that person and say, hey, you've been drinking a lot lately. Like, is something going on? You're medicating? What's going on with that? What that doesn't mean, the speck in the law thing is, maybe I'm going home and drinking too much too, but I'm hiding it a little better. And I go to that person and say, man, you're really drinking a whole lot. I got the log in my eye hanging out. And he got the little speck. And I'm pointing out something in his life, judging in, in kind of a way, fake accountability, and I got the same issue. That's what Jesus says. He says, no. He said, first deal with your stuff. Deal with your heart. And then you may be in a place with a pure heart to go to a brother or sister and say, how about this speck in your eye? And how about this? Not in a judgmental way of helping them, of saying, what can I do to help you get that out? 
Like, let's pray together. Let's tackle it together. Let's walk through this in fellowship together. From a pure place, go after your brother or sister. Hey, God, I, I just got to stop right here. Can I, I didn't know if I was going to say this, but I'm going to say it. I feel like I got liberty too. I want to talk to our home folks just a minute. Some of y'all bring some petty stuff in here with you. You know what I mean by petty? Just trivial stuff. Doesn't really matter. Can I tell you a real life experience we had out here one time? I'm not going to mention names, but you can probably guess who. I'm standing over there one day and I literally had a lady come to me and said, that person got more out of the line than they should. The person telling me was the world's worst about getting more stuff than they should. That's what this is talking about, right? The speck and the log thing. Like we want to be held to this different standard where we say, well, but, but they're doing it and it's not okay. But when we look in our own heart and say, well, maybe, maybe not even wrapped the same way, but I got the similar issue or worse. Deal with that. Then go to your brother. Then go to your sister. And again, doing it to help them, like walk through it with them, not just to leave them there, not to shame them, not to be better than them and say, I can't believe you're doing this. I would never do that. Guys, I got to tell you, that's more the mentality in the church than the way Jesus is talking about you. This is really about the heart of the matter. Why you do, why would you even go to somebody and talk about the speck in their eye? You're doing it just to point it out, to shame them? To make you feel better about yourself? Or are you doing it to help them? You're doing it to hold them accountable. Walk through it with them. Closes with verse 6. And it's a little shift in tone and, and really kind of this one-off verse before Jesus goes into the next, next segment of this uh, Sermon on the Mount. It says, Do not give to dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. It's kind of weird, kind of random in that one spot. But we're going to give it a pass because it's Jesus. And I'm going to say he had a pretty good idea of why he put that in there, right? I want to take you back to the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. We talked about the crowd that was there. You had Jesus, of course, the central figure, right? You had the disciples, the twelve, but you also had the other followers of Christ. You had the, the spectators that just wanted to see and hear about the guy that turns water to wine, raises people from the dead. All of these things that had happened and some yet to have happened following the show, right? Like watching what's going on. And then no doubt you had the Pharisees and Sadducees on the fringes, not wanting to learn from Jesus, but wanting to catch him in a trap. Want to say, did you really say that you're the son of God? Did you really say you can forgive sins? Just like they've done all through scripture, right? And so as they're sitting in the crowd, the Pharisees, I can almost imagine Jesus kind of gazing off their way. Y'all, we got a busy day in Birmingham. Let's let it pass by here one second. All right. So we get here, we see Jesus, and I, I, I can just picture him looking at the Pharisees off to the side when he says this, and he starts talking. He's been in this judging thing. Now all of a sudden, Jesus, you're talking about pearls and dogs and pigs. What in the world? Right? Like, what are you doing here? Jesus' primary mission is to let the people know He's the Messiah. Sermon on the Mount's evangelistic, Matthew's evangelistic, all of these things. But the heart of the matter, Jesus is saying, some of you aren't going to get this. 
And I hate to say it, but in a crowd like we got today, some of you are not getting it. Some of you won't get it. You don't want to. Some of you are there. Some of you believe and understand just like what Matthew's gospel is trying to tell us, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the Messiah. There's no other way to the Father except through Jesus. He's been the one that they've been waiting on. I mean, little boys and girls growing up, hearing stories about the Messiah, even to the point of leaving an empty place at dinner in case the Messiah showed up that he would have a plate to sit at. Been longing for him, waiting for him. And he comes and they put him on a cross. He was right. Some of the things that are holy can't give it to dogs or your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Some of them in the crowd weren't ready to hear that, but I got good news for you. Even the Pharisees that were the Pharisees of Pharisees that stood over mocking Jesus, standing out there watching Roman guards saying, if you're the Savior, then hop off that cross. Save yourself. There was still grace available for those people. So do not get it twisted that your sin is so special that Jesus can't forgive it. Anything is forgivable except not accepting Him as Lord and Savior. That is the unpardonable sin. You will stand before Him on your own and that will lead in separation. But if you stand before Him in Christ, no matter what you've done, doing or will do, it's covered in the blood of Jesus. Now here's what that does. Doesn't give us license to sin. Doesn't give us any of these things. It doesn't make us like, well, I can just do whatever I want because I'm forgiven, right? Oh, I love that good. Says that's why I want to serve because it's counted as if I did nothing. He's literally wiped the slate clean. I don't have to answer for my sin because Jesus did that for me. Is that not good news this morning? If you believe that, walk with Him, then living in a life like this about the judging or any of these things, it's going to kind of come natural to you not to do that because you know He's the judge. You've already been judged and you've been found innocent because of the blood of Christ. I pray that everybody can say that. If not, why not today? Why not give your heart and life to Him? If you already have, let's walk a little closer today. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we love You. We thank You for this day that You've given us. Thank You for our beautiful friends from Flint Hill being here with us this morning. Pray Your blessings over them, their fellowship that's uh, at home this morning. Pray that You bless that congregation. Father, every heart and soul that is here this morning, I pray that we know You as Lord and Savior. If not, the beautiful grace of Jesus is available anytime. All we have to do is call on you, Father, and accept, repent, and believe. And so, Jesus, we pray that we've done, done that. Father, if we have, I pray that we just leave here, walk a little closer in the Spirit with you. We just pray your blessings over every heart and soul here today. We pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all hang tight with us here. We'll call out names in just a bit, okay?